For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Ricardo. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro, and we are keeping score inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. 21 for 21, the top 21 issues we're looking forward to in the next calendar year, 2021. And boy, what a calendar year it has been when we look with hope as to the year ahead. The sports and entertainment industry has much to be excited about. As soon as we get the green light to gather again, demand for sports tickets, luxury suites, hospitality and travel packages, and concerts likely to reach an all-time high. We highlight the 21 predictions, trends, and happenings for 2021. And in the middle, an interesting perspective. J. Michael Prince, who runs the U.S. Polo ASSN, the oldest governing sports body in the United States, one of them certainly, formed in 1890, has a billion-dollar-plus, $2 billion brand, presence in 180 countries, and this is the fifth largest sports licensor in the world. It also serves as the official brand of the sport of polo in the U.S., and the United States Polo Association, U.S. Polo, ASSN. The bottom line of all of this is that the intersection of sports, entertainment, and media, we always talk about, but J. Michael Prince has a very interesting perspective. We'll start with numbers 21 through 11, then deal with J. Michael Prince, and then go to the top 10. So here we go. Number 21 for 21. At least one mainstream pro sports league will greenlight CBD sponsorships this year. Thousands of CBD brands, and they'll be courting sports leagues for years, and they'll continue to. 2021 is likely to be the year we actually see them. Rob Bronkowski, Bubba Watson, Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana have helped drive the industry. More to come. Number 20, NHL teams wearing helmet ads during the 2020-2021 season. $15 million combined deals so far, $2.5 million in fair market value for an average team, Capitals, Devils, Predators, and others. That's 20. Number 19, sports insurance rates skyrocket during 2021. Pandemic insurance aside, only a handful of sports properties, including Wimbledon, were foresightful enough to have pandemic insurance in 2020. Now Major League Baseball suing their insurance carriers, claiming the pandemic fell within their business interruption policies and or force majeure clauses. And post-COVID-19, teams and leagues are navigating higher insurance premiums for games, often 50 to 100 percent or more on new coverage going forward. Rates definitely more than doubled. We'll see more of that in the future. See how they pay for it. Number 19. Number 18. Michael Rubin and Fanatics will IPO. Industry insiders point out that when Fanatics recently acquired hard goods and non-apparel company merchandiser Wincraft, the onboarding process for former Wincraft employees 
issued an offer of warrants. Raising more than $160 billion, the IPO market was COVID-proof in 2020. DoorDash and others look for Michael Rubin and the Fanatics brand to cash in as well. That's 18. Number 17. The new Tiger Woods documentary rivals The Last Dance in terms of audience reach and impact. The trend of documentaries about near-mythical, talented, and controversial athletes continues. The Last Dance about Michael Jordan and now Tiger Woods getting his turn with HBO's two-part documentary Tiger airs January 10, January 17. HBO released the trailer for Tiger last week in depth on Woods' rise, fall, and eventual comeback. Prepare for a ratings hole-in-one, and that's 17. Number 16, Major League Baseball embarks on a season of creative promotions, the likes of which the sport hasn't seen since Bill Veck. Several factors will come into play. First, the shuttering of dozens of minor league teams and their vast community impact will be top of mind. Major League Baseball attempts to replicate some of the goodwill and good fun in the show. Second, blue-collar baseball will remain the most affordable family sports entertainment in a time when unemployment is still high and household budgets are low. Finally, as one of the few pro sports to regularly schedule midweek afternoon games, MLB is poised to capitalize on the tens of thousands of baseball fans permanently at home with more flexible solutions. Number 15, contactless experiences will become basic expectations for sports fans, especially the younger generation. Sports Business Journal flagged this one. The pandemic is accelerating the ways in which technology is reimagining the in-venue experience. Priorities are twofold. Creating a safe environment to minimize the risk of contagion and being explicit in public messaging about how you'll create that safe environment to help make fans more comfortable returning to venues. Technology continues to play an even bigger role in the fan experience, eliminating all paper tickets, cashless experience from the parking lot to the concession stand, cell phone and video board alerts for teams and fans to minimize ingress and egress bottlenecking at gates, advanced air filtration systems, contactless restroom experiences. Stadium security, meanwhile, continues to more closely mimic airport security protocols and equipment. With the added features of infrared body temperature monitoring and facial recognition technology with virus contact tracing capabilities, big deal. That's number 15. Number 14, colleges and universities rethink a regionalized approach to games and long-term opponent scheduling. Revenue streams challenged in the aftermath of the pandemic. Many schools may want to stay at home and create more rivalries. College and pro football arranged matchups in three to four days, and basketball has swapped opportunities in less than 24 hours. It has the potential to create better matchups as well. As one AD told Sports Business Journal, if we can do it when we have to, why don't we do it when we want to? That's 14. Number 13, real name, image, and likeless guidelines finally come into focus NIL. 2020, the framework was created. Now it's up to the NCAA to sort through competing proposals, and by late summer, before the college football season begins, we should have a much better understanding of what the legislation looks like and how it'll be implemented. The bottom line of all of this is easy-to-pass NIL rules should be the rule of the day, even though it might be more difficult with the lack of revenue. That's number 13. Number 12, mobile book numbers still on the move. Mobile sports betting, calculated by Sports Business Journal, is now available in four of the nation's 16 largest DMAs, 
Chicago, Denver, Philly, and Washington, and 15th-ranked Detroit set to open. And when Michigan does open, 80 million U.S. residents, roughly a quarter of the country, will have access to mobile sports books. How high will the number climb this year? Many say that at least 20 other states will pass it. And if all of those pass it, 45% of the U.S. population will have access to a mobile device. New York is also in play, and there are supporters. A massive budget deficit will cause the bottom line to be important and carry the day. That's number 12. Number 11, eSports continues to gain ground. Adweek notes that online interactive communities like eSports continue to expand and wade into the mainstream. Expect to see an increase in eSports programming on linear TV, reaching new incremental audiences and casual gaming fans while giving advertisers another option to raise awareness with an otherwise unreachable young male demographic. Return to Live will also be key cog in the industry's business model for 2021. The Esports Observer notes that while the pivot to online competitions amid the pandemic was largely successful, the new format was not ideal, but clearly Esports will be at the forefront, and that's number 11. We'll wait a top 10 for just a second, but this month... We'll do something a little different. It's sports, it's entertainment, and it's retail. The U.S. Polo ASSN, one of the oldest governing sports bodies in the U.S., formed in 1890. Their official brand is the U.S. Polo ASSN. It's one of the biggest sports licensors in the world. J. Michael Prince is CEO of USPA Global Licensing. He's also the president. He received his MBA at Duke, and prior to his position in, in, at USPA, Prince worked in leadership for other iconic brands like Converse, Nike, Guess, and Cole Haan. As we said, he oversees a $2 billion brand, presence in 180 countries. It's the fifth largest sports licensor in the world, and it serves as the official brand of the sport of polo, which is very important, not only at the top of the demographic scale, but clearly, as you'll hear, some of the major issues of diversity and inclusion, Michael Prince is all over. I give you J. Michael Prince. When you consider your world, first of all, to run something like this and be involved in something like this requires somebody with real significant diverse background, brand awareness, education experience. So uh, kind of tell us how you got here. You know, I, I was fortunate. Um, when I started really getting involved with brands that are involved with sport, I, I cut my teeth at Nike which is one of the greatest branded companies on the planet, maybe the greatest branded company on the planet, through their subsidiary Converse at the time. But I started with a financial background out of a small college in Oklahoma, worked at Pricewaterhouse in public accounting, and was in financial services, got an MBA from Duke, but realized that there was something missing for me professionally. And I got this uh, unique call from a, an old business school classmate saying, hey, Nike had just purchased Converse. And I love Converse, the Chuck Taylor brand. Man. And so we're looking for someone to come run our finance department. Would you be interested? And I thought, you know what? Nike's not a bad company. Um, Converse is a great brand. Let me go try this out. And it was the first time in my professional career I felt passion for what I was doing. And, you know, growing up playing sports as a kid in southeastern Oklahoma, that connection to sport, that connection to a brand, that connection to the consumer, the global connection was just fascinating to me. And I got to work with athletes like Dwayne Wade, NBA champion, NBA all-star. 
And from that, my career kind of took off within the fashion industry and had several stops along the way. Great brands like Guess in Los Angeles, Cole Haan, the traditional brown shoe company. And then this opportunity came along. A gentleman by the name of David Cummins uh, reached out and said, uh, we've got this wonderful brand that's part of the sport of polo. And it's down in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, which we're located, that's our global headquarters. And then the sport's located in Wellington, Florida, just down the street. And when I looked into the brand, I said, my gosh, this is the official brand for the sport of polo in the United States, the official brand of the United States Polo Association, USPA. And I thought about the beautiful places where polo's played, the beautiful people that play polo, the horses, the authentic connection to sport. And I said, you know what, this is a unique opportunity and a story that's been told, but has so much more to tell. And I took the opportunity that was about uh, three and a half, four years ago, and it's just been a great run so far. Look back, what's the one skill that you have, because you're diverse, obviously, that prepared you for this? Is it retail? Is it finance? Is it intuition? Is it growing up near University of Oklahoma, being a Sooner fan? I mean, there are a whole bunch of combination of all of that. Yeah, I appreciate that question. Um, I think it was having a diverse background. And, you know, I grew up in the financial side of the business. Yeah. And I think that's just an unbelievable foundation to have when you run a business. But what I didn't realize and what I appreciate more today than I did back then is the ability to use the other side of my brain, the creative side, the strategic side, the brand side. And I think if you look at what we've done with the brand globally the last four years, being able to really have that rope to run with it and tell this beautiful story about the brand and it's in the sport and the connection to sport and all the good things the brand does around the world. So, uh, you know, I'd say it's, it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. The bedrock, and we'll talk about the sport, but the US, U.S. Polo ASSN brand is an incredibly underappreciated story. But introduce the metrics to this audience. You know, the brand is, has about a $2 billion global footprint. And let me say, say that again, about a $2 billion global yeah, footprint. Yeah, you need to hear that with a B. With a B, <laughs> yeah. that's with a B. And uh, we're in 180 countries worldwide. And I know a lot of great brands. There aren't many out there in the world that are in 180 countries. Right. We're the official brand of the sport of polo in the United States. So we're the official brand, like I said earlier, of the United States Polo Association. We have 1,100 of our own retail stores in the world as well. That's a U.S. Polo ASSN. So I always like to say there's very few places in the world that you can travel without touching this brand. There's a, a, a license list that comes out every year, and it ranks the top 150 global licensors in the world. Number one is Disney. I think they do about $60 billion in business. Very big number. When you look at sports brands, we're the fifth largest globally in the world. The NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball, MLB, are bigger than us. Ones that are smaller, Major League Soccer, NASCAR, the NHL, WWE. So for a niche sport, we have a very big presence when you think about the retail presence of the brand. Uh, Michael, describe what your brand stands for. What's the nature of the brand? Well, you know, as you and I talked about, it's the official brand of the United States Polo Association. So it's got this authentic connection to the sport of polo. So that, that's critical. That's first right. and foremost. And as I mentioned earlier, where the brand goes, the sport goes, and where the sport goes, the brand goes. But when I look at the brand, and I, and I always put the consumer's lens around the brand as well, where that person's in China, Brazil, the United States, they love the classic Americana styling. People around the world love the lifestyle that Americans love. It's also a brand that's bright, it's cheerful, it's positive, 
has uh, lots of fun colors. And so that's kind of what we always stand for. We'll throw in a little red, white, and blue as well. But that's worked really well for us around the world. And it's something that we've stuck to and will continue to stick to. And uh, very excited about the DNA of the brand. The governing body for the sport was founded in 1890. I wasn't around then. I'm pretty sure you weren't around then. <laughs> and and the, the idea of, of the brand as a sustaining, evolving brand is pretty significant as well. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, the, what's interesting about the sport of polo is the governing body, the USPA, as I mentioned earlier, is based in Wellington, Florida, just down the street. And it's been around since 1890. So it's 130 years old. Uh, it's one of the oldest governing bodies of sport. And it's made up of board of governors. They do an amazing job. We work closely with them and we partner on events around the country. We partner on opportunities to, to showcase the brand and the sport together. And as I mentioned, they're a nonprofit. So a lot of the proceeds that we generate go back into the actual sport itself to fund tournaments, to help with rules and committees, to help with player handicaps, the operations of the USBA. And so one of the things I like to say is that uh, we're actually one of the largest philanthropic brands in the world because a lot of the money we generate goes back into something we love so much, the sport of polo. And we do that all around the world. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking today, obviously. And that doesn't just happen. It requires leadership, it requires vision, and it requires the ability to mandate and to push. How did it all evolve? How did the brand become so fixed and focused on philanthropy? Well, it was the way the structure's been set up is that uh, the you know, sport was smart enough to say, we've got to monetize this great sport and what it offers to the United States and, and actually the world. And, you know, many years before my time, so I, I don't take credit for this at all. They were uh, the sport and the for-profit side were smart enough to figure out a way, let's make this work as a long-term business opportunity that sustains the business and sustains the sport. And then I've been fortunate enough that they both trusted me to take the baton and run with it for the last four years. And, you know, everything that we do, we try to be thoughtful about both the brand and the sport. Incredibly important distinction relative to mainstream sports. And, you know, we cover a lot of mainstream sports and, and no disparagement, but let's just talk about NFL, for example. Every owner requires a significant amount of capital to get in. Part of the mandate, in addition to competition and advertising and television, is a ever-growing piece of philanthropy. But that has evolved partially because there's a lot of societal pressure put on the NFL to evolve. You guys sound like you created that from the ground up and it was a lot easier to implement because it was part of your mandate and a bedrock part of your culture. Yeah, we always say philanthropic, fair and equitable on the field and off the field. And that's how we view the business and that's how we view the sport. This is one of the only sports where you have men and, and women who actually participate at the same time on the same field and the same sport. Talk about why that's important. You know, it's such an important point you bring up. And thank you for doing that. Um, it is a sport where we say it is, it is a sport of equality, more so than people realize. And men and women do play on the same field against each other or with each other. They can be uh, teammates. They can be competitors. There is no difference. And what I love about the sport is that the fastest growing segment of the sport is, is the female portion of the sport. And so we're adding more and more female players every year to how many members are part of the USPA, not only at the adult level, but at the collegiate and the junior levels as well. So we're very proud of that. And if you look at a lot of sports, you don't always have the ability for women 
and men to play with each other on the same teams and we call it the NBA or the NFL. But in this sport, that actually gets to happen. And I think that's great for the sport. I think it's, and it's, it's great for our community. One more thing I want to w- mention on women's polo, uh, Rick, before I forget, is that uh, we partnered with Palm Beach County and they've been a great partner for us. And said, so let's do something that talks about women's polo and do it on a broader scale. And so we did this beautiful 30 minute show mm. that features five or six different female players. And that show we pushed out to millions of viewers around the world on different platforms, which just nominated for an Emmy. But extremely excited about sharing the woman's story in polo with the world. An amazing part of this world is a collegiate partnership program. You've got 44 teams at 28 colleges across the U.S. They receive attire, gear bags, and obviously financial support as well. Uh, how did this all start and where's it going? You know, when I, when I came in, and this is sort of the Nike background really helps. Nike, best in class, is working with colleges all over the country. And I realized that we had this collegiate program where college clubs were playing polo. And we said, we have to figure out a way to get involved with this. And so our team, our marketing team reached out and gave every um, college the same opportunity to sign up. And the majority of them signed up the first year, and then we got more the second year, and we just keep building the program. And what I love about the program, and you and I talked about fair and equitable. Every school gets treated the same. Small schools, no different than large schools. Publics, no different than privates. East, no different than West. And it's, it's truly a fair and equitable program. And we provide white pants to play in, which you have to play in, white pants. Polo shirts to wear on campus, polo shirts to practice in, performance design jerseys gear bags and we make a financial contribution to the club as well to help them with their operations their horses and all that and we've been just so so proud of that and recently we just added morehouse college an hbcu the first hbcu to uh to have polo and be part of our program and uh, just real happy for those guys they're good guys they're doing great things for the sport and it just sends that message that it's a more inclusive sport than people realize uh, whether it's at the, the collegiate level, the adult level, and we welcome you know anyone who's interested to come see us. Let's talk about younger competition. The National Youth Tournament Series started in 2013 for players 19 and under. Again, polo is uh, you can't just wake up and tell your mom I want to be a polo player. So you know how, how do you how do you develop those kids to be polo enthusiasts and successful athletes? Well, that's where the USPA does a great job. They've been really targeting on growing that program, and it's 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 been wildly successful. What makes me excited about the collegiate program is that we've engaged thousands of college student athletes to play polo, to be involved, to know more about the brand. We want to start doing the same thing with the, the junior polo as well. So the USPA has done a good job uh, building that, but now the brand is going to come in and even do more with that, uh, that younger next generation of athletes, which we're really excited about. But we get behind some of their events sponsor product and all that, and uh, really proud of those young ambassadors representing us. The other thing we've done in, in youth polo is that we also sponsored Junior Olympics in Buenos Aires for polo. And we had six teams from around the world participate. Four Americans played in that, but we sponsored all the teams and just showed you yet again our commitment to youth and to the sport through the brand. The 40 Gold Polo Challenge and the Future 10's Kids Match through the Polo Player Support Group. Talk about that. It's probably one of my favorite events. The college events, one of my favorite programs. This is one of my other favorite programs. And what's great about the sport and the event, you get the best players in the world 
plan for a philanthropic cause to raise money for injured polo players, injured grooms, their families, just to help with financial needs they may have. And last year, for the first time, we've always been a sponsor, but we stepped up to be the title sponsor. The, I think the event raised the most money it's ever raised last year. There's a youth portion of it, and there's an, uh, an adult polo portion of it as well. It's just a great day. It makes you feel good in your soul that you're giving back in so many ways. And there's a polo event, a charity event that night. It raises a lot of money, and it's a great cause. And there's a lot of different polo charities that are also equally great that we try to support and get more involved with. And, uh, you know, I just encourage anyone to take a look at it. Look at Polo Charities, anything you can do to help, fantastic. But we love, uh, love to support those. The Santabel ISP has hand a Pro Cup in South Africa, a bit of a different cause, but again, it's international. As I mentioned, I look at the brand as 180 countries worldwide, millions of consumers worldwide. And so we were approached for two different charity events, working with Prince Harry, the Duke of Sussex, and Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge. Great uh, young man, making a huge difference in the world. And they have different charities and causes that they get behind. And what's wonderful about how they do this is that they play polo. It's yeah. been in their family. Their dad played. Their grandfather played. They play, and they play fairly well. And so they reached out to us, their representatives, and said, we'd really like to partner with you guys on some events. We got behind it. We're title sponsors for a couple of the events, do the jerseys and all that. And what we love about it is that you're, once again, giving back to charities through the brand and through the sport of polo. And it's so authentic for us, and just it just makes you feel good. And just so we don't leave any off the list, uh, and I'm sure we have, but the Polo Africa Youth Tour in the UK, uh, that's all a very interesting dynamic as well. You know, absolutely. So we got approached, Southern Africa, they're playing polo. Mm -hmm. And uh, these, these gentlemen needed some financial help to get from Southern Africa to the UK to play some of Great Britain, England's great players. And so our team got together and said, let's figure out how to make this happen. And so we helped that team compete in England for that summer. They played a few games, wore a product, got to compete. It was a wonderful event. And just another example of us supporting Polo, us giving back to the community, those philanthropic causes that mean so much to us. Where do you see the whole world of, of your philanthropic efforts going in the not-too-distant future? I think it's going, being consistent with what we've done. Is there anything new out there? You know, I mentioned doing more with the, the youth, the level below collegiate. We'll look at that. We'll always look at opportunities around the world where somebody has a polo opportunity that may have a philanthropic cause. But we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and, and, and hopefully do it better every year and, and keep just keep keeping on. But we've been really happy with the strategy we've put in place. I know it makes us feel good. It makes a difference in, in, in the time we're living you know, through right now. Uh, there's a lot of challenges, unprecedented challenges in the world, and it's never mattered so much as it does today, giving back and, and helping others. Uh, whether it's through polo or however you can do it. People who watch great polo players are thinking, boy, this is a wonderful thing. I, I can't even get on a horse. How, how am I going to do this? But people who think of this as kind of inherently impossible, uh, not true, right? I mean, people can get involved in it. People can enjoy doing it if they want to. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's had a history of being, uh, you know, a sport of kings, yeah. a, a wealthy sport. And, and there, there is an aspect of that. But what I would encourage folks to do, you know, if you have an interest, Google your local club, go out and meet the club. These, these, these are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. They care about making a difference. They love their horses. 
They love teaching people polo, getting them exposed to polo. And it's, it's much more accessible than I think most people realize. And one of the messages that we try to share is it is accessible. So don't think it's just for the rich and the elite. It's an accessible opportunity that everyone should have a shot at if they're interested. Michael Prince gives you an amazing perspective. Trust me, you'll be hearing a lot more from him in the years ahead. Well, let's finish up our top 21 list. Go back to number 10. Ad buyers optimistic about 2021 and expect a 6% overall increase in their budget. The IAB 2021 Marketplace Outlook Survey result. They have concerns, though, about preparing for a cookie-less future and loss of identifiers. The need for first-party data, cross-platform measurement solutions, for example. The key finding is that digital media expected to represent 70% of total budgets. And the bottom line is that all those warning messages about cookie use we've been inundated with on websites really do have a purpose. Number nine, TV, our second screen. People age 65 and up do the most viewing, seven hours and 14 minutes per day, then 50 to 64. Then the 18 to 34 crowd squeezes in just 97 minutes of TV time each day. But the good news is that two broadcast programs managed to reach the youngest audiences are Sunday Night Football and Thursday Night Football. The bottom line is maybe less traditional TV and certainly more second screens. That's number nine. Number eight, the rollout of 5G service throughout the world will impact sports league carriage deals with telecom carriers and broadband networks. For example, the Drone Racing League announced a partnership with T-Mobile to produce 5G-powered drones and then T-Mobile eventually shifting into the sport as it continues to innovate and grow. The Allianz Racing Series, DRL, will work with, to bring additional capabilities to the fan experience as well. It's a major storyline throughout sports, and with 5G technology set to expand this year, deals like this should be more uncommon. Number eight. Number seven. New York and L.A. will lose their iron grip on regularly hosting annual mega events. New York was ground zero for the first major COVID uh, spread and lockdown back in March, as we know. L.A. has taken up that grim baton. Nearly a million coronavirus cases and 11,000 deaths. L.A. certainly maintains the strictest coronavirus lockdown regulations in the country, including limiting gatherings to six or fewer people and a new mandatory quarantine on long-distance travelers. While the critical situations will begin to ease as the vaccine takes effect, losing the Rose Bowl to Texas, albeit temporarily, could be just the tip of L.A. and New York's mega-event woes. Academy Awards and the Grammys could easily migrate to cities like Miami, Atlanta, and Nashville, and the bottom line is safety first. As number seven. Number six, sports teams and ownership groups may rethink their investment in mixed-use real estate programs and projects tied to sports facilities. Spending investment dollars on what you can directly control versus partnering with retail, residential, and commercial real estate partners who command their own vertical shops may be a safer course in 2021. The Atlanta Business Chronicle reported that in the absence of fans at Braves games at Liberty Media in a tough financial position, resulting in the company considering the liquidation of some of its assets in the battery, the mixed-use real estate project abutting Truist Park. More of this consideration will be in the future in 2021. Number five, the NFL regular season 17 games, new media rights deal integral to that plan. 
widely speculated over the past couple of months. NFL.com reported in late December the league is planning to expand the regular season to 17 games and generating new revenue in addition to the expansion. But they've got to first negotiate at least one new media contract in order to make the move to 17 games, as spelled out in the CBA. It would be the preseason cut to either two or three games, and the league may address uniform ads or virtual on-field signage for the first time as an integral portion of its new media rights deal. Whether the NFL or its right holders will sell those is an intriguing question. That's number five. Number four, MLS looks to invoke a force majeure clause in its CBA, and it's a collision course toward a work stoppage after the league announced last week it was evoking the force majeure clause in its CBA agreement, and the union reached this with them in June, and according to Wire reports, the MLS evoked the clause because of the ongoing impact of COVID. Don Garber said it cost the league a billion in 2020. It gives the league 30 days to work on a new CBA, but the players may not be having any of it. But other leagues are paying close attention, as virtually all have staggering financial losses from 2020 and force majeure clause written into their CBAs, obviously. Stay tuned. That's number four. The top three. Aided by medical science, a successful Tokyo Games will help unify and heal the world. Scheduled for July 23 to August 8, after having been moved from late summer 2020, the Summer Olympics will display the power of sports to inspire, unify, and heal people all over the world. And by late July, COVID-19 vaccine distribution will be well underway among first world nations, including Japan, with almost certain requirements that participating athletes, coaches, and NGO representatives receive the vaccine before arrival. And rapid testing protocols that are improving almost weekly, the athlete village and Olympic training and competition venues will likely be safer than the living petri dishes that have sometimes been in the past. Likewise, expect spectators, sponsors, and media to be required to adhere to stringent testing and safety protocols. And the Olympics will provide a center stage global mouthpiece for athletes and government officials to stand up for their rights and demand that pharmaceutical companies and others controlling the vaccine supply chain step up and do the right thing. That's number three. Number two, led by activists such as LeBron James, Brianna Stewart, Malcolm Jenkins, athletes will take a leadership role in encouraging the public to get COVID-19 vaccinations with a particular focus on the black community. And just as they did this last year, and the powerful Black Lives Matter movement leading athletes across sports will use their voices to encourage Americans to get the vaccine, hasten herd immunity, save lives, and get our economy back on track. In the wake of the FDA approving the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines in December, multiple studies by prominent Pfizer and Moderna scientists and other research centers revealed that up to 35% of African Americans say they'd probably or definitely not get the vaccine. Of course, they're hesitant, the majority concerned about the side effects. Others are worried they would get the virus from taking the vaccine. Trusted voices like James and his peers via public service announcements and social media could help rebuild trust within the community and make a real difference in the speed at which we're able to stop the virus's spread and get life back to normal. Finally, number one, dynamic sports and entertainment ticket pricing will be more widespread 
as pent-up demand drives up prices and reduces inventory, long a staple of airline seats and hotel rooms. Setting prices based on real-time demand has been embraced by pro sports, most notably Major League Baseball, which has become adept at adjusting ticket prices day-to-day. Dynamic pricing also infiltrated concert venues, and the post-coronavirus world opens up and people are able to assemble again. We'll see it applied to almost everything that can be ticketed. Businesses do what they can to make billions up in lost revenue from last year, but teams, promoters, and facilities will struggle with a proper ticketing balance this year. How will they recoup some of their losses without rampant price gouging, putting all the wealthiest consumers out of the market, especially all but them, especially in a current reality in which the roaring stock market and rampant unemployment have widened the gap between the haves and the have-nots? How much to charge for ticket in 2021? The real answer, as much as you want. The right answer, don't fleece your fans. We'll see how that plays out. It's probably one of the biggest stories in 2021. Well, a long extended version, but we see that there's much to be excited about. There's also much to be concerned about. That's the beauty of the $1.3 trillion business of sports. We'd like to thank J. Michael Prince for his perspective. We'd like to thank you all for listening and watching. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you next week when we continue to keep score. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.